Good morning, everyone, this morning. May the Lord bless us as we gather in His name. One more step to be molded into the image of His dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was so thankful for the comments that we heard this morning on, you know, the violent take it by force. And that's not you know, taking up sword and, and, and fighting in that way, but it's, it's stepping out of our comfort zone. It's rising up and taking a stand. I, I, I just love that woman who was, uh, had that issue of blood, and there were so many people around Jesus, and she was one of them. And, and when Jesus said, who touched me? They just says, Master, what do you mean who touched me? The, the press... Is this pressing in against you? What do you mean who touched you? But Jesus said, I know that someone touched me. And I think that's just someone, I appreciated that picture this morning. Here was this dear soul with a great need, pressing her way to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it wasn't enough for her to just be a part of the press. It's not enough for any of us here this morning to just be here. We need to rise up and step out in faith. I think about Ruth, that daughter-in-law of Naomi, when Naomi told her to go back to your people, go back to the heathen, go back to the Moabites. You know, in what place does a heathen Moabite woman have in the kingdom of God? But she stepped out of her comfort zone, didn't she? I mean, she just clave to Naomi, and she wouldn't let go. And when Naomi saw that there was nothing she could do, Ruth, that heathen Moabite woman, became the grandmother of David and the great, great, several great grandmother of Jesus. Because the violent take it by force. Somebody got a hold of the call of God and wouldn't let go. And that's the desire that we have. Just, I was going to say from this week of meetings, but no, it's the call of God that comes down in whatever way God chooses to come down. <clears throat> the thing that we'd like to share and bring before us today is we'd like to strengthen the things that we've been trying to teach this week we want to deepen the urgency for them. It's not something we can just wait forever and the opportunity is always there, but you have opportunity now. Ruth didn't always have that opportunity. If Naomi would have left, the opportunity would have been gone. But the opportunity is here for each one of us today. I want to encourage us to make it happen to humble ourselves and bow our heart and make the changes that are necessary. And don't let changes be embarrassing to you. Let them be just a way to witness the joy of the Lord moving in your heart and in your soul. We want God to have his way. You know, and sometimes we need to make changes. For God to have his way, we do. We can't just say amen to the things of God and then nothing changes. We want that pure heart. 
We want godly relationships. We want to be separate from this world. We don't want to hear the voices of this world. We want the holiness of God and we want to be able to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Subject we have this morning I would like to address. I would like to approach it by considering what it means that we are members one of another in the body of Christ. I would like for that to be our title this morning, Members One of Another in the Body of Christ. I want us to think about this. There's a, there's a call of God that comes out of understanding what this little phrase means, that we are members one of another. It's in the scriptures we find it a couple of times, once in Ephesians and once in Romans, I believe, where it says that we are members one of another. And it's given as a statement of fact. It's not given as an option. It's trying to educate us on who we are in the body of Christ. Sometimes I think we don't, we don't think enough about what it means to be members one of another. I think we don't study, meditate enough what all it means to be members one of another. And that we are many members, but, but one body. And we're different, but we're all needed. And we work together. And that the head of the body is Jesus Christ. That's the, the controlling force that unites us and that drives us. And so as we consider being members one of another this morning, we're not taking our eye off of Christ. We're just learning to see the bigger picture of who Christ is. The body of Christ is Christ. The Word of God would teach that to us, I believe, this morning. So to make this a beautiful picture that we can understand, we need the things that we've been studying this week. We need to understand love and compassion. We need to understand conviction. We need to understand how to get there through submission and being under authority. We've been talking this week about having a pure heart and communicating and the relationships that are before us. But I want us to know this morning, this is a more intimate analogy. To be members one of another is not just to love one another. It's not just to have compassion one for another. That's when, you know, I'm over here and you're over here and I have compassion in my heart and I want to love you and I want to serve you. But this illustration is a little bit more intimate than that. Members one of another, we are part of each other. (laughs) We can't even operate on our own. We need each other. That's what I think God wants us to understand when he tells us that we are members 
one of another. We're connected. We need each other. <clears throat> you know, I've heard it said, I heard people say sometimes discussing the subject of committed membership, and, I, and I, I've heard it said that that's not really a subject that's in the Bible, and that always amazed me. I always thought, did you miss this passage? Members one of another, brothers and sisters, if that's not committed, how committed is the arm to the hand? I mean, how, how connected are they? How committed is the, you know, the leg to the feet uh, when you walk? How committed is the right leg to the left leg when you walk? How committed is the eyes to the ears, you know, when you're beholding something? We are committed and we need each other. We, we need each other to the point that we don't operate correctly without each other. Think of it. This is the way God wants us to operate in, our, in the body of Christ. And, and the, the practical application of this is, is the local body. This, this is the most accurate expression of Christ here upon the earth, the way we operate as a local body. You know, the universal body of Christ is, is a blessed thing, and we want to be a part of that, but I, I can't submit to my brothers in China. I, I, can't, I can pray for them, and that there is a connection there. I'm not disconnecting these things, but... We need to work together in a local body. This is where the commandments of God that we've been studying hit. We don't have to work on relationships with people we've never seen, never will meet, never heard of, just read a couple of testimonies that they sent through the mail. There's no problem with that relationship. All the commandments of love and forgiveness and compassion and reaching out and interceding, they take place in a local body. And so this is where we want the admonition today to land. We need each other. I, we had a brother, he visited a rest home one time and there was a sister in there. And she was, she was very weak. She was in a wheelchair. She didn't have strength in her legs to walk. She didn't have strength in her legs even to make the wheelchair move. But she was in a wheelchair. Or she was in a bed. But there was another sister in that rest home. And she was fairly strong in her legs and in her arms. But she was blind. She couldn't see. Now this dear sister in this wheelchair that couldn't walk, she had good eyes. And those two sisters got together. This, this strong sister that couldn't see got behind his wheelchair. And this sister in the wheelchair that could see real good, they learned to communicate and they went all over that rest home. They went everywhere. And they were an encouragement and a light to everyone. They needed each other. But I want you to think for just a minute. This dear sister that was blind, think how dark and discouraging her world could be. This sister that couldn't even make her wheelchair go, think how lonely her world would be. But when they got together, they were the life of the rest home. It's a blessing what God can do when we as a body 
begin to work together. We had a brother uh, back home a few years ago. He did a children's lesson. <clears throat> and he, uh, he asked the children, he says, how many of you can write your name? And uh, they could write their name. They knew how to write their name. And uh, he had a pencil and a piece of paper there. And he said, I'd like for you to write your name for me. He says, first, I just want you to let me tie your thumb down here. And so he just tied the, their thumb down there just like this. So they couldn't move it. And they couldn't even pick up the pencil. And once they finally got the pencil in their hand, they tried to write their name. And they, they couldn't write it. Finally, they kind of got through it. And it was a scribbled mess. What was the problem? They needed their thumb. That little member. You know, everything in their body knew how to write their name. Their mind knew how to write their name. Their eyes could see. The paper was there. The pencil was there. The hand knew how to write their They needed their thumb. This is where we are. If we could see how much we need each other in the kingdom of God. I was driving the other day and there was a car sitting beside the road just parked there. Just sitting there. And I assumed that something was wrong. I don't know what was wrong with that vehicle. But you know what? It was probably one thing. The engine was probably good. There was oil in the engine, gas in the tank. I mean, the spark plugs were good, but, but the coil went bad or something. Well, what's the coil? It's just a little member. But, but that vehicle doesn't go anywhere unless everyone is doing their part. This is what God wants in his body. You know, the body of Christ, that's what it is. It's the body of Christ. When Christ was here on earth, he had a body. And his body isn't here anymore. His body went and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his heart reaching out to the lost and to the lowly. We are his love for each other. We're his body. And here we need to work together. A body needs everyone to work together. <clears throat> so we are different members. We're not alike. We have different gifts, different positions. But we work together. And we need each other. We care for each other. Again, I say I don't know if we meditate enough on what all that means. It is so easy for us to drift away from brotherhood and take on this ungodly, contemporary attitude of independence and individuality where we don't need each other. And God looks down and it's not his heart that it would be that way, <clears throat> there are some things in the kingdom of God that really capture our attention uh, where we worship. And in Christianity at large, there's some things that just get extra focus. And one of them is, is our testimony. You know, we, we meet someone and we want to hear their testimony. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It is. But I want us to know this morning that... There is a witness in the kingdom of God that draws people into the kingdom that comes when we are members one of another. 
that your testimony cannot have. Your testimony is probably how God drew you to himself, how he moved through others, how he stirred within your spirit and drew you to himself for you to become a child of God is probably the most sacred thing that you have in your heart. And I encourage you to think on it often and certainly not flaunt it, but use it whenever the opportunity presents itself. But this witness, when we are one, all of us together, all of our testimonies together has a drawing effect, not only on the lost, to those who are looking in, but it's an encouragement and strength for all of us. It is. Another thing that often gets our focus is right doctrine. <clears throat> we rejoice in right doctrine, and, and rightly so. We, we're very jealous over right doctrine, and we should be. Many of us have probably changed churches, you know, for right doctrine's sake. And, and we want truth. We do. But I want us to know this morning that this witness of oneness among us has a greater drawing to the lost and a greater witness in the kingdom of God than right doctrine does by itself. We want right doctrine, so I'm going to say this very carefully. But the truth of the matter is, I've seen two brothers that both had right doctrine and they didn't agree. They were not one. Their spirits were not united. And it's by this that all men shall know that you're mine. It's not by your testimony you declare. It's not by right doctrine that you declare. It's by this that we love each other. It's a marvelous testimony. And I want to I challenge us. There is a place <clears throat> where God loves to pour a blessing. And, and I've, I've just thought about that. I, I love the blessing of God. I desire it. I, I, I tremble some to come under the judgment of God. We want God's blessing. And there's a place in Scripture where it says that God not only likes to pour the blessing, it says God commanded the blessing. You know where that is? Do you know where that is? Where's that place where God commands the blessing to be poured? It's in Psalm 133. It's how beautiful when brethren dwell together in unity. That, that's moving to the heart of God. When the people of God, when there's submission, when there's love, when there's compassion, when there's intercession, when there's standing in the gap and making up the hedge among his people, God commands the blessing there. Behold how good and how beautiful when brethren dwell together in unity. And then he goes through some Poetic examples there, and he says, For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So this is a big thing, I believe, with God. <clears throat> I would like to read 
what I believe is from the Lord for us this morning on this subject in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know it's a common passage of scripture, but I would like to read it. I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful passage. And I want to encourage us just by opening our Bibles here and seeing the heart of God. I want to begin reading, I believe, at verse 12. And uh, I'm going to read maybe to the end of the chapter. And I just want to say, before we get started reading here, that this is God's idea. This just stands in conflict with the independent spirit of man. This stands in conflict with pride that won't submit. It stands in conflict with all of the thing, all of the gentle things that we were putting up here on the board the other night to build relationships. This, this witness of oneness just stands in conflict. This passage that we're going to read stands in conflict with all of those things. I want to encourage us this morning to receive it and take it home and just work your way through the press, you know, and individually, this is good for an individual to rise up and say, I'm going to be part of the body. I'm going to do my part to send out a clear signal that my heart is here. And there's different ways we can send out that signal, but let's keep that in mind as we read here. Verse 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Isn't that a marvelous statement? Or one member be honored. There's no jealousy. All the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, 
and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. <clears throat> I want to say this. I've just kind of noticed this. Sometimes people measure whether you have the Spirit or not by things like healing, miracles being done, maybe speaking in tongues. There's a lot of people that use these things to measure whether you have the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice something here in verse 28. It seems that God is putting some things here in an order of priority. Does it, does it seem that way to you? God has set some in the church. First, there's apostles. Secondarily, there's prophets. Thirdly, there's teachers. Now, apostles, prophets, and teachers are the ones who deal with everyday life. They set the direction of the church. They try to teach. That's dangerous to go that way. We need to go this way. They, they teach. They make practical applications. They deal with your appearance. They deal with your heart. And, and lots of people don't like to deal with those things. They want to get on with the other things. But look at the order that God put it in here. First comes the apostles and the prophets and the teachers. And after that, I tell you this morning, after we pay attention to the heart of the pastor and the leadership and where God poured out his ordaining to set a direction for this fellowship, after you submit yourself to that, after you get on board, after you put your heart there, look what happens. I think there's an order here. From God. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. And after that, you know, miracles and gifts of healing. I'm not sure what all it says here, but all these things that we like, we tend to use as a measuring stick. Let's get our life in order and then let's see what God can do. I just want to encourage us that way. <clears throat> I believe the picture that we read here in this chapter is a beautiful picture. It's a picture of a working body that has life. And I just want to stop here a minute because we never want to take our eye off of Christ and, and, and fix it on the body and think the body, you know, is, is, is where there's life. Where does the body get its life? This is crucial. We, we want to be alive unto God. We sang that song I really appreciated this morning. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. That, that's what we want. We want spiritual life in Christ. Where does the body 
get its life. It gets it from Christ. But let's think about this for just a minute. Does a body get its life from the pastor? No. Does a body get its life from you know, the hand? No. Does it get its life from the heart? No. There's plenty of, of dead bodies in the grave and the heart's still in there. Does it get it from the lungs? No. The lungs are still in there and there's no air passing through. Where does a body get its life? And, and I just want to tell you, God answered that question a long time ago, way back in the book of Genesis, when he said that the life is in the blood. And we are the body of Christ. The life that we experience comes from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't get life from any dramatic member or any three dramatic members or ten miracles and one great missionary. I tell you, we get our life from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blood flows to every member. That's one of the marvelous things, the wonders of the grace of God when he created the human body is that blood goes to every part of the member. There is no part. There is no member in your body that does not get your blood. And in the body of Christ, the blood of Christ is flowing. That's our life. We don't want to take our focus off of that. I mean, so what if the arm is connected to the hand, if there's no life? Yes, we need to be connected, but we need to keep our focus on where does the body get its life? Tremendous blessing. Form will never give a body life. When life is flowing to all the members, form becomes very significant many times. But form doesn't give a body life. The life is in the blood. We just want to keep that straight so that we can exalt the Lord God. He is our life. <clears throat> so I'm going to look here at verse 12. This is such a good verse. It says here at the end of this, so also is Christ. Now we're talking about the body. Brothers and sisters, we're talking about the ones you're sitting beside, the ones you're sitting in front of and behind and next to. We're, we're talking about each other here. For as the body is one and hath many members, all of us make up the body. And all the members of that one body being many are one body. This is Christ. We're not taking our eye off of Christ to focus on these things. This is Christ. This is what he wants us to understand. <clears throat> and so I ask you this morning, do you know Christ? Are you in Christ? Do you want Christ? Do you want all of him? Then make precious to you what is precious to him. Every member of the body is precious to him. And we need to do that. <clears throat> he nourishes and cherishes all of his body. I just want to challenge us again. Is that your testimony? 
Is that the influence that you bring here to Zion Christian Fellowship? That you need each other. You're willing to reach out and work together with each other. You are willing to protect each other. You know, many times in fellowships, there's just different people being cut off from different people. And I want us to know this morning, when you cut off your brother, at least according to this scripture, <laughs> you're damaging yourself. You're not growing in the Lord. When you cut off your brother, you're damaging yourself. It's like the right hand cutting off the left hand. You know, you're not going to get more done when your right hand cuts off the left hand. <laughs> it's the natural teaching us about the spiritual. I know we know this, but think in terms of just right hand and left hand. Just pick some name here in the body. You can't just cut them off and then prosper and get more done in the Lord. Now, I realize there's times where there's people that just remove themselves from the body, and, and I mean, there's a, there's a time when a body is better off to not have that kind of infection in the body. And so we, we keep that in mind, keep that in balance, but the message today is that we need each other. <clears throat> It doesn't make sense when the right hand cuts off the left hand. That's not what a body does. That's not what a right hand will do. A right hand will protect the left hand. Now, it doesn't protect the left hand's sin, but it does protect the left hand. And there's a difference there. And I, I trust that by the grace of God, we can understand that. That's... That's what Jesus did, I think, for John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was a, he was called of God. He leaped in his mother's womb. He, he declared, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And there came a day when he wasn't even sure if Jesus was the, the one that should come or do we look for another. Did Jesus cut off John the Baptist at that point and say, I mean, now you know better than that, John, and whack. No, that's not what he did. He said, there's never been born a greater among women than John the Baptist. He protected him. He came to his defense. Is that the, is that the testimony that we bring into the fellowship? You know, I heard uh, Brother Darrell, I think, tell a story one time, and I really appreciate it. I'm going to share it now. You probably recognize this. I'll tell it the best I can, brother. But he told about a friend or someone he knew in the woods that was cutting trees or something and somewhere in the procedure there was a limb came down from up above and this man didn't realize it was coming down and it was almost on him when he when he heard the thing coming down through the trees and so here comes this limb and here's this man in the woods and I mean he just immediately he just went like this to protect himself and the limb hit him he was too late it broke his arm the arm that came up to protect himself was broken. But I think it's so it's such a good illustration. Did the arm hesitate? Did the arm say, oh, I ain't going up there. That limb's coming down. That, this is the way we think so often in the body. No, it was an instinct. And I want to challenge us this morning. Do you have that instinct of God in your heart? 
that will just protect your brother. Come to his defense. Speak on his behalf. Yes, speak into his life. We know there's needs there. But come to his defense. This brings encouragement into the body of Christ. I'm trying to take all the things that we've been teaching this week and, and bring it into a summary, bring it home, so that we can put it into practical use and see the witness and the joy and the strength and the encouragement and the life that comes out of this thing. It's a beautiful picture, I believe. If we look here in verse 21, it says, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Can you imagine an eye, an eyeball, by itself here, sitting up here on the front pew, just sitting there, looking around, better than everyone else, didn't need anyone else, this eyeball here has his eye fixed, he's got things figured out. Have you ever seen the picture of an eye by itself? It's really, really gross. It's just big and it's just bloody veins all thick through it and it's just, it's, it's amazing thing. And I bless the Lord for creating such a marvelous organ, but by itself, the eye is gross. But when an eye is in its place, right here, the eyes of a person are one of the most beautiful, attractive parts of the body. The light of the body is the eye. Do you realize how gross something is by itself? And how beautiful it is in its place? Think of it. In the body. Can we submit ourselves to the place where God placed us? Wives, God gave you a place. Children, God gave you direction in the body. And he ordained pastors and leaders and apostles and the things that we read there. For the edifying of the body, it's there. When we're in our place, what a marvelous opportunity to grow in grace. That's when God comes alongside and chooses to bless. And we each one here this morning have a choice to make. Am I going to do this? Am I willing to submit my heart and become a beautiful part of the body? <clears throat> one other thing that I get out of reading this chapter that I really appreciate and that is that I'm needed there's a lot of people that don't feel needed I feel that way sometimes we've probably all struggled with where is my place but this scripture makes it very very clear the little members everyone is needed that's why that car was parked by the side of the road, is because every single person is needed in the body. That's a special calling, isn't it? That's an encouragement. I, I want that to land on each heart. I can't just walk away from here because I'm fed up with a few things. I'm needed here. If I submit my heart, if I make a few changes to fit in here, 
I'll be a blessing. God can use me. I'll be encouraging a dozen or two or three dozen other people just because I bowed my heart and I just joined right in. You know, if that eyeball has to come up here and sit by itself, if the coil says, I'm done, it affects the whole body. It does. And so I believe that God is here pleading in each heart. I believe if we're going to work together in the body, there are some principles that we need to understand. One of them is that we are different. You know, we're just not all the same. I think about a song sometimes, harmony. There's tenor, and there's bass, and there's alto, and there's soprano. You know, it's, it's a song. It's a body. It's a beautiful piece. But we have different parts. And when all the parts are in harmony, working together, as different as they are, as different as tenor is from bass, think of the difference. I mean, there's a big difference. But as different as they are, they just bless each other. They do. If the only time we have unity in the body is when we're all the same, then we're going to have a body that can't do much. And I don't want to speak on the gifts today, but I do want to bring out that for us to be a united working body, we are different. Let's not cut each other off. Let's work together in unity. You know, I... (laughs) If... If the hand cuts off um, the foot or the arm doesn't work with the elbow, and that's just all there is, there's no working there. If, If the eyes can't connect to the mind and they cannot see, you know what that's called? When the parts just won't work together? You know, when when this leg just won't bend with the knee, the knee will not bend. There's people in a fellowship that just won't bend. And maybe they're the knee. And so, you know, this is the way that church is going to walk. You know what that's called? Good, brother. Handicap. It's a cripple. You're handicapped. (laughs) And it's called the same thing in a church body. If there's people that just won't bend and, and won't connect and won't work together, you're handicapped. What is God going to use you for? There's not much you can do. But if every joint is supple and bowed and willing to bend and willing to work together, there's no limit to what you can do. <clears throat> Now, I want to say that just because we're different doesn't mean that we don't reprimand sin. It doesn't mean that we don't take a stand. In fact, it probably means that you will because true love will do that as a man nourishes and cherishes his own body. 
True love will speak into each other's lives. I don't want to paint a picture this morning that everybody's different, and so everybody has to leave each other alone and just say, well, I'm me and you're you. That, that's that independent spirit. That's not working together. We speak into each other's lives. <clears throat> I want to just say it this way. The body of Christ doesn't just take an average of what everybody thinks about something and then kind of average it out, and then that sets the direction for the church because, you know, everybody's equally important. Big parts, the little parts, they're, they're all important, and so we just take an average of what everybody thinks, and then we just come up with a direction for the church. That's not the way God set it up. <clears throat> Christ set it up differently than that. And remember, our focus here is Christ. Our focus here isn't that my thinking is going to bring an average to this fellowship. How did Christ set it up? What did Christ do? And we don't need to turn there right now, but in Ephesians 4, it says, when he ascended up on high. That's when Jesus, that's when his body left this earth and rose and is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus knew that his body was no longer here upon the earth. It was at the right hand of the throne of God on high. But when he ascended up on high, when he returned to his father, he gave gifts unto men to lead the body. That's what he did. It says when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He knew that it was needed. This is God's way. This is God's ordaining. And why is it? It's for the perfecting of the saints. It's for the work of the ministry. It's for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what it's for. That's how it's done. We can't just all come in here and say, I'm the Equal to the pastor. We're just going to ba balance and average out my thinking with his. And then, and then we're going to set the direction for this church or I'm out of here. You are not honoring God. You've taken your eye off of what Christ established. That the body would be edified in love. And it gives the reason that he did that. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. There's that perfectly joined together thing. That's his will. That's it. That's his formula for how to get there. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, we're not trying to mold ourselves after some man. Our focus is Christ. That is our burden. And I like that phrase, till we all come. You know what that phrase means? It just implies it's going to take some time. Till we all come. We need That's that patience, long-suffering, that gentleness. This thing takes some time, but don't walk away when the operation of God is in, in full power. Stay and change. Stay and be all that God wants you to be. <clears throat> take some time. But this till we all come, you know, I've heard people say before, just give this thing some time, 
Just give us some time. And I'm willing to give anything time on one condition. That we're working on it. <laughs> I'm not willing to just give this thing time and just check back in 20 years and see where we ended up. We can't just be non-active. We need to rise up and take a stand. Be very gentle. Be very patient. Yes, brother. Yes, sister. Yes, son. Yes, dear daughter. I'll give you time. But I want you to hear my heart. This is what we're working on. We'll give all the time needed while we're working on it. But we're not going to just forget it for a time. And then see what happens at the end of whatever time we established. It's going to be disaster. We're headed somewhere with this thing. And where is it we're headed? It says right there. Till we all come in the unity of the faith of the Son of God. Till we're perfectly joined together. <clears throat> and we do that by Christ's formula. And I want to, I think I want to read one more verse there. After that, Ephesians 4. It tells why Christ did that. Why he wants us united after the Son of God. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Think about it. God's trying to protect us from that. He's, he's bringing some security here. We, we talk about the instinct of God to protect each other. God's trying to protect us. By just saying, come on in, and yeah, we'll give you some time, but we're going to work on some of these things, and we need to make some changes. You know, if, if something hasn't worked, and people are besought somewhat because it doesn't work, and I've had people come to me and say, what we've tried just doesn't work. What do we do? Well, I just tell you, if what you've been trying doesn't work, then you need to Get before God and find something that does work. What I'm saying is something has to change. If you keep doing the same things that you've been doing, then you're going to keep getting the same results that you've already gotten. But before God, he's willing to give some direction. And if we're not willing to change, if we can't bend, this is all we'll be able to do. We need to be able to say amen to the will of God through the men that God has ordained and poured his grace upon. It's his formula. I just want to read it again. He gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. Of the body of Christ, edifying means built up. Uh, the Spanish word to build a house is edificio. Uh, we build each other up till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. <clears throat> and so we have different gifts. We are different. Different administrations, different operations, different temperaments, 
But that doesn't leave the door open for us to sin or to push our own way or to drift to this world. And I'm just going to tell you, because I like these practical illustrations, people try to do that all the time. I, I hear it that way. Well, I'm just different than you. <laughs> I'm different than you. I enjoy rock music. I'm edified. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. <laughs> You're different. Amen. But you need to be admonished. It is the job of the body. Though, though we're different. The hands are different than the feet. But sometimes the feet get dirty. And sometimes it's the job of the hands to wash the feet. God uses members of the body. If there's a cut on a little finger, sometimes it's, it's, it's another hand that brings the ointment that that little cut needs. We need to not only be willing to minister to each other, but we need to be able to receive from each other. It brings healing. It brings health. It brings strength. <clears throat> Drift is not a gift of the Holy Ghost. It is not a difference of administration. It's not a difference of operation. Everything that's called liberty in Christ is not liberty. Every gift, every different member needs to be sanctified and washed in purity and in holiness and in prayer and with all the gentle things that we put up here on the board the other day, no matter how different it is. <clears throat> I want to take a good look here as we're thinking about this at verse 18. It says here in verse 18, But now hath God, now, now this is the work of God. I want you to notice this. This is a man's thing here now. This was God. Now hath God, Set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? That's the work of God. God did that. And you know what I read here? That he's pleased with it. As it hath pleased him, he's pleased with this setup that he's done, and I want to challenge you. Are you pleased with it? Are you pleased with where God placed you in the body? Are you pleased with who he placed over you? Are you pleased with, with who he brings to speak into your life? This is the work of God, brothers and sisters. If, uh, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. <clears throat> It's a beautiful picture of the work of God. And there's power in this thing if we choose to believe it. If you choose to not believe it, you know, you can come and you can say, well, Brother Dale, hold on a minute here. Wait a minute. There's elders that are not doing the work of God. There are brothers and sisters in the body that are, are damaging the body. What do you do with that? And, and I agree, we, we've all seen that. I mean, that's, that's, gonna, that's a reasonable statement, really. 
But I believe the Word of God gives us direction on how to deal with those things. That's part of the work of the body. You deal with these things as a body. You don't just sit there and complain as an individual member. I, I mean, find out what the other hearts of the body are thinking here. And good things can be done in a very gracious way. God has given direction about how to... Uh, the Bible talks about elders that rule well and how to entreat an elder and, and how to go about that procedure. But, but this thing is a holy thing. Don't, don't just charge hell with a five-gallon bucket of water on this thing, so to speak, as the saying is. This is dangerous. You can't just throw out accusations and be clear before God because God is in his holy temple. And he did a work that pleased him. I want to speak for just a minute as a pastor. I'm a man of great need. It's, it's one of the wonders of the grace of God that he can use men. I've marveled many times. <clears throat> I've made mistakes. They weren't just mistakes. I've sinned. And I've had brothers come to me in a gentle way, in a pleading way, and, and, and by the grace of God, I heard their heart. And, and I'll just tell you, there were times when I had to just stand before the congregation in all humility and just pour out my grief for who I am and just apologize and just pray that I could get myself out of the way and there's times when people have said, maybe, maybe this isn't your calling. And I've just kind of cried out to God, I'm willing. I'm not insisting on this. This isn't, this isn't my idea to be here. And I'd be glad to walk away. But what do I do with this? You know, when God pours his grace, when God comes into a heart and just says, you are going to give an account for the flock. You need to watch over these souls. You know, the watchman that we heard about this morning, he needs to blow the trumpet. And when that trumpet blows, I tell you, many times the flock scatters. But let's gather round. Let's hear hearts. It's not that the men God chose are perfect it's not that the men God chose have some special lifted up thing that you need to be just like them. We turn our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We want, we want everyone to be drawn to the Lord Jesus. We want to be faithful in our place. But I tell you, when God calls a man, when God ordains a man, something happens in that heart that just makes you want to be a little more careful. It's better to be safe than sorry. 
There's tremendous places to spend our energy than right next to danger. We don't have to listen to all the songs that are still okay, but just barely. As long as we don't go any farther, we're okay right here. I don't like to listen to those songs. I don't like to... What was the illustration you used, brother, there about our children don't have to sleep that close to the edge? Why not be safe and be happy? Why not, why not get a good safe bar there and then go to sleep yourself and rest in peace for the night so that you're strengthened for tomorrow? I just want, I don't know how to say all this sometimes, I don't know how to bring it out, but I know that God chooses men. And the body needs to honor this work that God has done. It brings, it brings, it brings life. It brings victory. It, it brings, and, and we open ourselves, I open myself up to, I want anybody to be able to say anything they want to say to me, and I'm going to listen and I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm going to bring it before the Lord. And I'll just tell you, I'm going through some changes right now. I am. And they're changes because I'm members one of others. I'm not just me and shaking my finger that you're going to do it this way. But I do have a burden. <coughs> I'm going through the locks. I'm making changes. I, I just am. That's just where I'm at in life. This is just the, the journey that we're on. And I, I can rejoice. I, I'm not here to complain. I'm here to rejoice. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want God to have his way. But we want God to have his way with the flock as well. And, and, and there's a burden that comes that God can use to give direction for the flock. Brothers and sisters, we need to love each other. We, we just need to love each other intensely. I, I like poetry. <laughs> you know that I do. And I, <clears throat> I, I read it sometimes. And there's a poem. It's not really a spiritual poem, but I like it. It's about a man who went back to the, the, the graveyard where his wife was buried, her gravestone. Forty years ago, she died. He's an old man. But he remembered. He remembered when they went to school together, a little old schoolhouse. And in that schoolhouse is where they, they were drawn together. And they got to know each other. And there was one day, there was a spelling bee. This man went out to her grave. And he just stood there and he was just remembering this spelling bee. Way back those years, that little schoolhouse on the hill. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was his turn to spell a word. And he spelled the word and he spelled it wrong. And this little girl was standing next to him. It was her turn next. And she spelled it right. And he had to go take a seat. And she stood up there and won the spelling bee. And I can't remember all that poem. But I know that when school was out, this little girl came to him and she said, I'm sorry. 
that I spelt the word. I hate to rise above you because her brown eyes lower fell because you see, I love you. He lives to learn in life's hard school how few who rise above him lament their triumph and his loss like her because they love him. We need to love each other sincerely. We need to have compassion one for another. You know, we lived out in California for a while and there was a sister there. She had a lot of problems. She really did. And uh, the other sisters talked about it. In fact, some of them kind of made light of it every once in a while. But this sister that had these problems came to my wife and she said, Twyla, I know I have problems. She said, would you pray for me? And my wife said, I will pray for you. And it was just a couple days later, as my wife was praying for her, that some of the sisters got together. I think it was a birthday gathering. <clears throat> and they were having a good time, and, and they got to talk about this sister with problems. And they, they got to talking about some of them, and some of the things she did were almost humorous, and they were kind of making a little light of it there. And my wife came home, and this is what she said to me. She said, the things that were being said about this sister were humorous. But she says, I couldn't laugh. And I couldn't enter into the conversation because I had committed myself to pray. Can we feel that kind of connection with each other? It's powerful. I think about Miriam. You know, Miriam there, uh, Moses' sister Miriam, in the desert. Remember how it was with her? She spoke against Moses and Aaron, and I mean, she sinned greatly. And God brought judgment upon her. She became leprous. And she had to go outside of the camp. And Moses and Aaron prayed for her. Oh God, heal her now, was their prayer. But I want you to know God's opinion. God's opinion kind of stands out there to me. You know, in that capacity, uh, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, as long as it just stayed right there over the temple, they didn't go anywhere. But when the cloud or the pillar began to move, they started packing up. It was time to go. That's just the way they did. And they didn't really know when that thing was going to move and when it was going to stay. God, God had that in, in his agenda. And, and there was the pillar of fire and the cloud and Moses and Aaron were commanded by God for Miriam to be without the camp. Punished by leprosy. And so there's Miriam out there. And I just want you to know that while Miriam was outside the camp, while Miriam was hurting, while Miriam was receiving her punishment and probably thinking about what all she had done, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never moved stayed right there until when the punishment was over and Miriam came back and her leprosy was healed and she was you know back in the church I'm just going to say she was part of the fellowship again the cloud began to move it's time to go 
Are we willing as a body to, to literally hold back? We're just going to hold off here until we're all together. You know, I've, I've, I've gone to church before, and we left, went home one time, and we got about halfway home, and, and I re- realized everybody wasn't in the van. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Oh, oh, where's this dear child that's not here? I mean, what do you do? You just turn around and you go back. You, you don't go forward until you get reconnected. I mean, there's just something there that is so drawing to you, so much a part of you, so much in your heart. You can't, I couldn't keep going. There was no way in the world I could keep going. And I want to challenge us this morning. Is that the way, way we are in the body of Christ? I mean, when someone's hurting, when someone's left behind, when someone, you know, isn't keeping up in step, Maybe we need to just come alongside. I love that card that says, you know, when you're beside yourself, just remember God's beside yourself too. And that's what we need to do with each other. It's a blessed picture. It's a tremendous witness that the kingdom of God has to the world around us. I mean, some of those people want one in there. They want some of that. That looks good. They've never experienced anything like that. May God give us direction. I remember reading, you've probably all heard about this, but I remember reading about the Olympics. Those handicap Olympics where they have handicapped children and they run races and they do different things and they make an opportunity for for the handicapped to have their Olympics. There was a handicap race, and they were all ready to go. There was this little Down syndrome boy, and he was, he was in the race, and he was ready, and there was several others and with their little handicaps and cripples. And, and when the gun went off, they all took off running, hard as they could go. And about halfway down the, the track, this little Down syndrome boy, he got tangled up in his feet somehow, and he just sprawled, he just went everywhere. Dust flew, he just landed, he just wiped out. And everybody was running as hard as they could, and when this little boy wiped out, they all stopped. And they all went over there, and they, they, they helped him back up, and they made sure he's going to be okay, and they dusted him off good, and when they saw he's going to be okay, they all took off running again. I just want to challenge you, who won that race? <laughs> they all won. They were pressing toward the mark. They were, every one of them, giving it all they had. But they had a concern for each other. And I want to challenge us, as we go forward, as we press toward the mark, let's have a concern for each other along the way. It's a beautiful witness. It's a beautiful testimony. Sometimes I think we forget how big a thing it is to God that we are one, that we are united. Sometimes we think, you know, just as long as my heart is clear, then, then God's good to go. But he's concerned about these relationships. And so I want to read here. I want to close in John chapter 9, uh, John chapter 17. This is the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying to God about the disciples and the ones that God had given to him. I'm going to read several verses here, but in verse 7 it says... <clears throat> Oh, 
uh, verse 11. I want to start in verse 11. Jesus said, and now I am no more in the world. He was ready to go back to his father. But these are in the world. And, and so here's the, here's the burden that Jesus has. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. How, how one is God the Father and Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit? The three in one that the children heard about this morning. The, the three in one. How united are they? Just think about Jesus when he was here. I do only those things that please my Father. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. Whatever the Father tells me to say, that's what I say. I mean, over and over again. Jesus, he just, I can do nothing of myself. He just said, only what the Father gives me to do. That, that was how united he was with his Father. And what's the prayer here? The prayer here is that we would be one just like they are. That's, a, that's an incredible prayer in the heart of the Lord. Jumping down uh, 10 verses down to verse 21, it says that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Look at the witness that comes out of this, brothers and sisters. It's that the world may know that God is in this thing. And it's when we are united ourselves, one in heart, like God is one in heart. How do we get there? God knew it wouldn't just happen. That's why he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers and so that we could work this thing out. That's why he taught us submission. That's why he taught us love. That's why he admonished us for compassion. That's why he did these things. He wants us to be one that the world may believe. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. It's just over and over, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may, there it is again, the witness that comes out of this thing, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I mean, there's just the witness of oneness goes everywhere when the people of God say, whoa, we're going to do this thing God's way. May God give us grace. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our weakness, could we get ourselves out of the way so that Jesus Christ could be seen. Seen, be known, be heard, be followed. Father, we follow. We gladly come. We gladly bow. I'm willing to change, Father. I'm not going to sacrifice truth. We're not going to sacrifice and bless drift. But we come, Father, knowing that you don't lead us that way. Knowing that the things that you've ordained and the ones that you've brought into our life will lead us closer to you, Father. We put our faith in the Word of God this morning. Give each one here grace. Thank you for this time together. Thank you, Father, for your Word. Thank you for all that you have done for us. May we be faithful.
May we be among the faithful. May our children sing in days to come faith of our fathers and hang on to that thing with the zeal that the Holy Ghost would bring into their life. May we lay a many generation foundation. When you come, Father, you even ask the question, will I find faith when I come? knowing the weakness of man, knowing the waywardness of men. But Father, we bring our waywardness, we bring our weakness to you, knowing the leading and guiding power of the Holy Spirit and knowing that the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of truth and that you will guide us in the ways of truth in all things. Father, we come glad to follow. Give us grace. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could we just stand and sing that little song? Do you all know we are one in the bond of love? Amen. Let's stand and let's just sing that before the Lord. Let's sing it with our heart. <clears throat> Maybe we'll sing it through a couple times. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirit with Spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. I think it's a different tune than I was thinking. What, what did I say? That's not the song I was thinking of. No, no, it's, it's, we are one, but it's, does anybody know what I'm thinking? No. <laughs> Let's sing it. No, that's not what I was thinking of, but that's okay. Let's sing it. <clears throat> one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We enter in you. Let it overflow. Fill my cup, let it overflow. Fill my cup, let it overflow, let it overflow with love. God bless you.